Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like My First Million, hosted by Sam Parr and Sean Puri. My First Million features guests like Gary Vee and Sofia Amoroso sharing their secrets for how they made their first million and how to apply their learnings to capitalize on today's business trends and opportunities. I recently enjoyed listening to Sam and Sean talk with Anand Sunwal, CEO and co-founder of CB Insights, about how Anand built his companies, the importance of data, small business niches that are growing, and so much more. Listen to My First Million wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and today I have Angela Robbins with me in person at the studio at Hi Hello Labs in Orlando. And we are having just the best conversation that I'm like, I got to turn the cameras on right away before we lose all the juice for our listeners. But Angela is the founder and CEO of Moxie Brands, which is a branding and marketing uh, strategy uh, agency here in town. And her story is just so incredible. I've met Angela uh, through like local friends and through events, and she's helped so many uh, businesses that I know of just thrive and scale when it comes to their marketing strategy, their um their branding strategy, but most importantly, also their overall go-to-market strategy as well when it comes to sales and um, just actually creating revenue for the company. And Angela's background, is it's just so fun in her story of how she started the business, left the business, came back to the business. So this is going to be a story that I think many of our listeners are going to just appreciate of truly what it takes to build a successful company and that it does have, you know, entrepreneurship does have, you know, a shit ton of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And so Angela is, uh, you know, here to share us, uh, share with us her, uh, her story, but also, uh, we're going to, you know, deep dive today into some of like the, tr- the trends in 2023 and what she sees from a marketing standpoint, a sales standpoint, a strategy standpoint. Um, and so I'm really excited for you guys to get some, uh, amazing notes today on how, you know, we can take that into our businesses right after this episode. So Angela, without further ado, welcome to yeah. CEO school. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor. And like you mentioned, we've met so many times over the last few years and we have a lot of friends in common and it's just, uh, it's wonderful to be here on your show. Oh, so I love thanks for it. having me. I want to have all of my interviews in person and I'm like, would <sighs> like, I think that that is like one of our goals for um, next year is to have them all in person. And we're like trying to bring in every few episodes to the in-person thing. The energy is just so different is, yeah. and like being in person than being on Zoom and then just our conversations of what we can, you know, 
really get to know each other before the show in, in, in a different way. So mm-hmm. I'm so happy that you're like physically here with me. It's giving yes. me all the energy. So Angela, start us off with just a little bit about your background and how you got started in deciding to create Moxie Brands. Sure. I did grow up right here in Orlando. I went to Dr. Phillips High School and I had this really unexpected thing happen to me when I was 17. My dad passed away unexpectedly. Oh, no. And at the time, I was becoming really obsessed with photography. And I just started cutting class and being in the darkroom all day long. And my teachers were like, you know, she's a good kid. Like, it'll probably be fine. So nothing really happened. They kind of let me do it. <laughs> but what it what it led to was me going to art school, which I would have never expected. Um, I never considered myself an artist at all. But I became really obsessed with photography and the connection of words and images together and how powerful that could be. Yes. And it was just something that really it, it kind of swept me away um, from the pain of what I had just experienced and the unexpected pain of what I ex- had experienced. And so I uh, decided to go to Savannah, Georgia. I sat down with the dean of admissions of SCAD and I said, I have to go to college here. I have to come here. Um, I can't explain it. I know I'm not qualified. I'm not an artist. I can't draw to save my life. I know nothing of color theory. I know nothing, you know, but I'm I'm here and I want to be here. And I know that I have the heart for this. And so you got to, I need a scholarship to come here. And so not only did I get in, but I got a scholarship. That's amazing. And I found myself with like purple hair and living in Savannah and around all these artists. And I was like a fish out of water. But I just, um, I just did my thing and it was incredible. And so getting out of my comfort zone and trying something completely different. After that, I moved to Dallas and I worked in publishing. I got a job with McClatchy Company as an art director. Um, I, again, was like, I felt like I was in over my head. I was a fish out of water once again. I was managing a team. I was communicating with advertisers about what their photo shoot was going to be and what was going to be the messaging. Um, and I happened to uh, also at that during during this whole time, I was working in the service industry because I had like you know, I had to support myself and do all these things. Yeah. And when you first get started, it's really not tough. not making much money. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really tough. So I was also selling wine and selling um, private parties and working in events and parties. And so I started meeting all these people in Dallas. Um, I had an opportunity to serve in this like members only private club where the money was like incredible. I was doing bottle service. I was meeting all these millionaire people. <laughs> like I love that but that's but that's when I realized I was like you can be anything you want to be in this world and brands are literally created overnight by people and I thought that was just so amazing that was like the coolest most amazing thing to me and so I shifted I was like forget being an artist I'm I love fine art photography I can do that anytime I want to build brands I want to build companies like this is this is so powerful and so amazing and so I started studying like I would take all these magazines and I was collecting them and I had tear sheets of ads that I felt like they were really strong. Yeah. And I was just studying how, why it was working. Why was that image and those words connecting to me emotionally or connecting to someone else? And I was journaling and that's kind of how it started. I was really like a self-taught branding person because of just being really intrigued by it. I love it. Oh my God. I love your story so much. I feel like we're going to be best friends after this for sure. I don't know if you know, I actually went to Dr. Phillips High School for a year. I graduated from Dr. Phillips High School. I grew up in Dallas. 
and I love wine. And I think, I know you love yeah. wine. We have this in common. <laughs> I love wine. Um, and I, I do consider myself, I would say, like, as a CEO um, of, like, you know, over the last decade of my journey, I think that brand is probably one of my biggest, strongest suits in, yeah. like, building brands. And so I am obsessed. And um, that's so cool. I think it's so amazing that, like, you're working and you're, like, have a job. And I just want to applaud that for a second because – you know, I think that a lot of times when we think about entrepreneurs, we don't – there's a lot of grind that comes in just doing that as well. But you, I really do appreciate when you don't have – you know, it's not – you don't even have the privilege of no one's handing anything to you. You've got to make rent. You've got to do your thing. And then you are finding a way and having multiple jobs to do it. I just want to take a moment and just um, acknowledge that. And I want to acknowledge every woman out there that is – you know, doing her thing and trying to make it work and has a nine to five and then is getting up early to go work on her business and doing it after her kids go to bed. And, you know, I just want, I think that your story can really resonate with a lot of them that um, you put in the work and hard work is the shortcut and mm -hmm. you put in that hard work. And another thing that I just love is that you saw it. You were like, you saw it, you were in these rooms and sometimes just seeing it and feeling it is you're like, I can have that too. And mm -hmm. you can, you you saw that. And I just think that's so exciting. So that led you to building a branding and marketing agency. You got it started. But then you told yes. me something earlier that I want you to share. Yes. Yeah, so I got it started in the classical sense, right? I was building websites for people and making creative assets, but it was just me. I was the, the classical one-man band you know, basically a glorified freelancer is really what I was and trying to work with companies and help them. But I had um, I had never really built a company myself. So how was I able to really help build someone else's company? Right. I mean, I was creative and I could write copy and I could make a website, but I didn't have um I definitely didn't have the understanding of everything that goes into it and especially on the building team side and having a full growth plan really like I didn't understand projected profit loss statements I didn't understand you know I I, I just I just didn't under, I just didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know right yes. I, I was I was 25 years old 26 yes. years old um and so I had this opportunity a number of years later I had actually moved back to Orlando I had left Dallas I'd moved back to Orlando I followed a man here, didn't end up marrying him, but all the same, I followed a man here, come back to my hometown. Um, and for a couple of years, I was like traveling the world with him. I actually lived overseas for a while, I had all these new experiences and I was just building this company and it was, it was okay, but we never exceeded like 200,000 in revenue and it was just me, you know? Um, and I had this opportunity, a woman I had met a number of years ago, and she was a client of mine, but like a really small project client. And she came back to me and I ended up stepping into a full-time role as her vice president of sales and marketing. And that company went from zero to 20 million in three years. And so during that process, I gained a lot of confidence in my ability. So you, so you stopped Moxie. Right? I did. You, you like I left, did. You left your business. Completely left my and business. And it's a six-figure business, right? So, I mean, you got it off the ground. You you can't give yourself, like, you're too hard on yourself because <laughs> no one goes to CEO school. This is why this, this thing exists. It, <laughs> there is no such thing as CEO school, right? We learn by doing. And um, and I think as women, sometimes I want to point that out is that we feel like we have to know everything and um, we don't, right? And this is like you learn as you grow. But at that time, in that moment, you're like, there's 
there's this opportunity and you decided to like pursue that opportunity because what did you tell me earlier? You're like, no one leaves. Uh, you said no one leaves their company <laughs> if, 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 it's, if it's thriving, if right? It's thriving. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I was doing great. And I knew I had a lot to offer, but this felt like it was the opportunity. This was the thing I wanted to jump on. And I was a little delusional in the sense that I thought maybe one day I'd own the company too. And I'll never forget the day. I was really frustrated. I was talking about all the things going on. And I had felt like I was really such this integral part of building this brand. And I was. But I remember my friend said to me, Angela, you don't own that company. You don't own that company. You're putting so much of yourself. He said, go do that for yourself. Yeah. You know? And I'll just I never, love that advice. I'll just never forget that moment. It was like this punch in the gut because I felt so, from an emotional standpoint, I felt so connected to the company. I did feel like I owned it in a way. Like it was my um, brainchild of certain parts of it, right? And certain ideas and concepts and so even some of the products yeah. that we had, I had I had been so key. And in I developing. think a lot of people in the startup environment can relate to what you're saying. When you pour your heart into a company mm-hmm. and you're working like it's yours, and you're you're like you're finding that fulfillment in it. Mm-hmm. But it's such a good reminder um, to make sure that you are also being rewarded in that sense, right? Yeah. There are companies that I'm not saying that you weren't rewarded in in, in whatever capacity, but it wasn't yours, right? What yeah. what great advice. Yeah. So I um, in 2017, I relaunched Moxie Brands with a different mission this time. And so instead of just reopening and being a creative agency, I was like, I'm going to be a growth partner. I'm going to be a fractional CMO, COO, whatever it is they need. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to just get my hands in there and make sure that there is a full plan and strategy, but also get the right people. Because what I learned in the process of working with this company was that getting the right people and building a brand that they are passionate about too, where they're like drinking the Kool-Aid, that is what makes companies go. And so that that was kind of my new thing is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redo, um, realign everything that Moxie is about. And I used the word Moxie in a different way this time. I was really trying to harness the essence of like the chutzpah and like the, the yeah, guts what, and the what, glory. Yeah, what is Moxie? Moxie is a word that, you know, when I was a kid – my dad used to use that word to describe me, but I never felt like I that. I love your connection with your dad, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. He's right with us right now, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> I feel it. I think yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Don't make me cry, though. <laughs> it's okay. But um, I feel it. I, I, I feel it. I think it's so beautiful. I feel a lot of – I think you know this about me. My father is so close yeah. to me, and like he passed away unexpectedly mm-hmm. as well and a lot later in my life, and so I'm, I'm grateful that I got – the 35 years that I did with him. Um, and it's probably more than I say, probably any any daughter that I know, the amount of time that I got to spend with my dad was as if we lived to be, he lived to be 150. So mm. I got so much time. That's great. Um, even in the short amount of time. But he was such a huge part of how Sal and I built stacks. Yeah. And why, you know, and just, so I, I, I love that your company is named after what, of, of that. That was yeah. really special. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, um, and again, I'm getting kind of emotional. Um, but yeah, my dad taught me so much too. Uh, my childhood, um, I watched him in action a lot. My dad was in the hospitality industry. And we would see how he treated people. Like when I would go to visit him at work and he'd be walking around. He was the director of operations of Orange Lake Country Club for a long time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that place. It's out in Kissimmee. But um, he was just so 
like spirited and kind to all the people that he would come in contact with. And so whether it was someone busting a table or, you know, an executive person or a visitor or a guest, he treated everyone like gold. And he always would tell me that. He was like, you know, if you treat people like they matter and if you treat everyone like one day they could be in the CEO spot, like they like they could be that if you just were give if they were given the chance, that's how you build incredible teams and people around you that will go run through a wall for you. Yeah. And he sounds so, like such a phenomenal leader. And he was. And so I tried to take that same approach when I was helping build this startup, which I didn't own, um, but really trying to make those people feel like they were a huge, important part of it. And I was able at times to recruit people to come and work for the company that probably otherwise wouldn't have. People took pay cuts to come on board and work with me. And um, and then even when I restarted Moxie, like I was somehow able to get people that I couldn't pay people very much. I was starting again from nothing. But people believed in where I was headed and where I was going. And I think just that passion that I had for wanting to make this go. I um, I I could see why people jumped ship to come run through walls with you. I <laughs> absolutely see that. And I want to remind the women here listening, I think one of the things that I, I see um, with, you know, female entrepreneurs is we discount ourselves before we even make the ask. And, you know, part of scaling and building is building teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if you, you know, it's great that you want to, you know, you want to start a business, but, and there are, if, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a solopreneur. So I want to start by saying there's nothing wrong with that. But if your goal is to scale your company, you can't do it alone. And you've got to have the right teams to support you. And the blocker that I hear from women when we're in our coaching programs and they're inside, like inside of our programs and like I'm coaching and it's like I put them in the hot seat and it's like they're not, they're not building out their teams. They're not hiring. And I see this blocker every single time I'm on one of the sessions. Yep. And what's the blocker? It's because they're so like no one's gonna come work for me. Oh, like I can't pay people enough. I can't, I can't do this. Or you know, I don't, I don't have. You know, it's our perfectionism and mm-hmm. it's our like idealism of like what you know, you know, I can't do benefits or I can't do this. And this is such a great opportunity for me to remind the listeners of CEO School and all the women and all the entrepreneurs in the room that people don't just come work for a paycheck. They come to work for a mission. They come mm-hmm. to work for a company. They come to work for leaders like Angela, like Sonera, like you. And there's so much that like we have to offer that we completely discount that. Yes. And people are willing, like what you said, willing to take paychecks, willing to to you know put in the, the extra effort, roll up their sleeves and leave these amazing jobs to come work at small companies um, that don't, that didn't have it. I built a billion dollar business, but it wasn't billion dollars on day one. Right now it's a team of 400 plus, but it was just myself and then two and then four and then eight. And they, and they left whatever they were doing to come join my vision. We didn't have funding on day one. We didn't have a fancy office on day one. We didn't have benefits. And so I just wanted to, you know, give this, um, like, you know, opportunity for our listeners to really just, you know, you have something that, you know, that is really special and that's the message. That's also part of the branding that Angela is talking about of sharing that why, sharing that with the people because mm-hmm. people will jump ship to come support your dream as well. It's time to get out of spreadsheets. With HubSpot CRM, get real-time data at your fingertips so your team stays in sync across the customer journey. Track your contacts and customers, send personalized emails in bulk, and get the contacts you need to create amazing experiences for your teams and your customers at scale all from one powerful platform. 
It's why more than 150,000 companies already use HubSpot CRM to run their businesses better. Plus, HubSpot's user-friendly interface sets you up for success from day one, so you can spend less time managing software and more time on what matters, your customers. There's no better time to get organized. Get started for free at HubSpot.com today. And that's why when we start working with a company, we focus on brand and mission first. Brand clarity is at the center of everything. We, we empower people to find what I call their brand anchor, which is like that, that one word or that thing that kind of holds you down to the ground and to your purpose, but then also have something that you're projecting out. So it's, it's almost like two different things. You have your anchor and then you have your lighthouse and those two things work together um, just to kind of keep you can reflect back through every stage and a brand is obviously not your logo or your website or your color scheme or you know your slogan it's what other people say about you when you're not in the room it's everything that you see and touch and feel and it's the people and brands are built by people and they're crafted in rooms or you know in strategy sessions but then they're carried out through every touch point and every experience and so when we sit down and talk with the company Many times that lack of clarity is what is making people not stay in the company or making things not really get over the finish line or they're not attracting the right top talent. And we do hear all the time. Um, there is a limiting belief of like, well, the kind of person who would be as good as me, I can't pay that. I can't pay enough. Mm-hmm. So I would have to hire fresh out of school people or people that don't have experience. And then then it's not going to be to the same quality of my work or what, especially when it comes to service-based companies, service uh, and coaching and, and things like that. They definitely feel like they have to be hoarders of the talent. And the thing is, if you hire someone and you teach them just one specific thing, they can become a master at it. They'll be better at you than than yes. they'll be better than you because they're just doing this one thing. So what we really work to do is break down parts of the sales cycle or parts of the operational cycle and figure out how, what if we just did this one thing with this person? What if they only came in and focused on this one thing? And as an example, um, we do brand clarity workshops, right? And there was a time when I would have said, no one can do a brand clarity workshop like I do a brand clarity workshop, right? Because I have my process and, you know, this is my passion, but now, and you're the expert. Right. And I'm the expert, right? Yeah. But now I can break apart my brand clarity process. I can have one person just do client personas. They can come in and they can just focus on client personas. I can have one person come in and just focus on finding your anchor, right? And that whole thing can be broken apart and different people can become experts in different parts of the process. I love that. And that's the same with anything. It's the same with any any business, any, any strategy, anything. I love that. I love this so much. This is this, we all need all of this. So I would love to, now that we're kind of getting into some of the tactical stuff, I'd love for you to, you know, share your perspective on what are you seeing in the marketplace today? I mean, you, you, I love that you're just done an expert, not just from a brand perspective. And I do think that we think about brand and like the logos and the colors, and it's not just that. I love that we're talking about sales because for me, that is always been marketing and sales goes hand in hand and you could have the best brand in the world but if your product is shitty no one wants to buy it um that's not going to work it's going to it's going to live and die and so it's so important for you to have that revenue component and that is a huge pillar of ceo school which is profit and so i would love for you to share your best uh like you know strategies or tips for entrepreneurs that are listening on what's happening in 2023 now right so we've got lots of changes how are you taking the moxie, um, you know, for your brands? And so I tell have, us. 
I have so many thoughts. Let's your, let's go. We've got oh, we've got we've got like fifteen minutes. I yeah, I want to go there only because what I'm obviously so much is changing, right? And people are getting very obsessed with new things that are at their fingertips, like Chat GPT and yes. everything going on with artificial intelligence. People are getting um, more and more, putting more and more energy into social media, and. All that, yeah, you ha- you need to do all that. You need to create content. You need to put yourself out there. But I got to tell you, a lot of the clients that I've worked with where I've scaled them from, you know, in the million to two million mark to five to ten, they, they don't even have social media. Like that's not even really part of their strategy. I mean, they're doing the work. They're more in the trenches, building out sales teams, getting soul to soul business relationships, getting the right people in rooms, putting together strategic partnerships where they can piggyback off someone else's presence that's already existing. I love right? that. So don't spend all of your time chasing after fame and glitter and trying to build this incredible profile and all this stuff on social media. That's not going to necessarily drive revenue right away. It'll take years to drive revenue right away. So I just said years right away. It's like oxymoron. It'll take years. So I think a lot of people need to pull back a little bit and put their head down and really build a solid business plan, you know, build like what are, what could the revenue per month coming in look like? What is my expense overload going to be every month? And who are the people I need? What are the positions I need to fill? How can we build out that team? And oftentimes social media is like completely back burner, um, that's just my two cents. I love it. I think it's a really daring two cents. And I love that, you know, I I will, I agree with you and I'll disagree with you as well. So I do, I 100% agree with the fact that they're like, we can't put all of our attention into, into, into one thing, into, into the brand, into social media. I do think that social media can have a huge and brand can have a, um, an amazing effect on getting organic reach and ensuring – I do think that social is kind of the new website for businesses. Oh, yes. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I actually – the first place I go when I go look at anyone is I do go to their social media profile. So I do believe that having the right social presence is critical. However, I don't think that you have to be the face of the brand and show up online like an influencer or have right. to do all of the trends and like that's how you have to rely on your business. And I, I find that a lot of the entrepreneurs in CEO school um, you know, tend to lean on like we have to do all this for social. And what happens when Instagram shuts down? Right. Right. Or there's another algorithm change. You have to own that customer and driving that customer into your ecosystem. So for us, it's our, it's emails. Like that is like the number one most important thing is driving our, getting emails so that we can bring them into, uh, into our, um, you know, into our own platform versus Mm -hmm. on, on social. And so I do think that for every business, it's different. Um, and you have to have like multi-level sources. And when you rely sure. too heavily on one component to go to market, you could be nailing it, but your your all your eggs are in that basket. So I super believe in diversification. And what I do want to really um, 100%, like I think that the biggest point is it's all about revenue still. So it's yes. all about your product. It's all about your revenue. And yes, marketing should be a driver of that revenue, but revenue should be the thing that we think up and wake up. And like, that's the thing as CEO, you should be thinking about every single day. Yeah. And that's the most important part of the business and not just the the social and the marketing and the branding. There's so much more to sales and marketing strategy than Instagram. And so that's really what I'm getting at is when you're, when you're coming up with your segmenting, your marketing, your targeting, your positioning, 
what events could you be going to where you can meet people in person? You're like the best marketer I've ever talked to, by the way. <laughs> you're actually saying like, no, not marketing. Let's talk about sales. Yes, yes. Yes. Let's talk about the relationship between marketing and sales. And brand is such an important part of that because it holds you to your purpose and it keeps things consistent. It keeps clarity of message. But you you can't just show up in one place. And what I find people doing when I, I'll see people and they might even have half a million followers, but then they have no revenue. Yeah. And part of it is because they're focusing so much on trending audio or the algorithm or whatever reels or TikToks they're making, but they don't really have a unique differentiator. They don't even have um, solid referring partners or relationships. They're just kind of putting out content and waiting for somebody to come and knock on their door and be like, oh, I want to hire you. So I, I just would advise, yes, you still want to have presence and put yourself out there. And for me, this is even something I knew that I'm spending more energy on because I am building courses. And I, if I'm launching a course, you know, I'm going to have to have some kind of a social media presence, but it's never been something that has mattered very much in, in my business or even in my clients' businesses. And we always find um, a brand manager for our clients. So one of the first hires we make is a brand manager, someone that we can work closely with and we can craft all of the different assets that their salespeople are going to need to be successful. So whether that's um, decks, presentations, uh, live event, uh, you know, environments, experiential marketing, we put all of that together so that the business development salespeople can go out and be successful and have and show up looking like a hundred million dollar company already. And anyone can do that. You can literally snap your fingers and be like, "I'm going to be a hundred million dollar company right now. What do I need to do to look like that?" Let's build it. Let's let's create it out of thin air. That's every I single day. So what are your tips on the sales side? So like what are so you said hiring the brand manager? What are some things that you're seeing in your clients that you're implementing? I love that you talked about scaling through partnership. Yes. I like I think that we do not prioritize that um, as brands and as businesses. How can you know what are some tips or advice that you have for entrepreneurs on scaling their revenue streams? So Sometimes a smaller companies in particular, they might hire someone to go do business development, but they don't really set them up for success. They don't give them the proper tools or the proper framework. You have to have, if you think about hiring like this racehorse and then not giving them a track to run on, they're never going to win the race. They're going to be like all over the place, right? Yeah. So you have to build a Marcom system where they can get in there every day and know exactly what their mission is and have real clarity on- Marcom meaning marketing communications. Yeah, marketing <laughs> communications, like a CRM. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a CRM and something that you can send out, branded emails, something where you can track your leads and your conversions and you can really see a clear picture of where things are in your pipeline. And even for some people, they're like, a pipeline? What's a pipeline? Well, a pipeline is just a forecast, right, of all the things that could happen. And it it goes back to the law of attraction. Are you are you a law of attraction yes. person at all? So I'm sure a lot of people listening are, right? Why do you think we're together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but a lot of people that, that think they're law of attraction people, they're not actually putting it into action yet the right way. There is a study. Um, they took a group of Harvard Law individuals, okay. right? And they had them, um, they separated them into two categories, people who had clear written down goals and people who just thought they had goals in their head, right? And then 10 years later, they came back and they looked at the people who had them written down and they had 300 times the revenue annually as the people who had them in their head. And it's just like that with sales. If you write it down, it's the think it, ink it mantra, right? If you write it down, if you have it on a pipeline and you're reminding yourself, you can even set tasks and reminders, you know, I got to call this person, I got to follow up you're visually seeing even a dollar amount attached to that potential deal. 
And so you're you're kind of willing it into existence. And if you have the opportunity to meet someone and then you can put them in your CRM and you can say, ooh, if I close this deal, it's going to be worth whatever, $300,000 this year. Put it down there. Put that, put that amount next to it and watch it move through the cycle. And if you don't get jazzed about that, then you don't belong in sales, right? But there are people who get jazzed about that and they just don't know how to do that on their own unless you teach them. So that's a huge part of what we do is we come in and we build out the Marcom system, we hire enthusiastic salespeople, and then we give them all of the things they need to be successful. Oh my God, I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for like all of this amazing juice. Um, so many things that I think all of our entrepreneurs are going to be thinking about on branding, on sales. Do you, would you like recommend hiring like, you know, from a, if, if, if sales for many women are through digital sales, right? Mm -hmm. Through email and through yeah. inbound marketing or through other avenues. You know, what is your advice there on for like without, if, do they need a sales team? I mean, I think they still need a person that's focusing on it, yes. Because if if you're trying to run the business, you're probably balancing a lot of things, wearing a lot of hats. Because usually right? the CEO is the, like the you know in you know is the is the main salesperson for many many of the women probably here. Are like I am the main salesperson for mm -hmm. my business, and I am too. But I have a director of operations that has a incredible sales background. And so she's going in and putting our leads and deals into the CRM and making sure that I'm staying on top of it too. And so, hey, we got to set up another meeting with so-and-so and, -so and got to get back in front of you know, these people. And so I think you still need, whether it's just a really powerful executive assistant who has that sales background or it's a business development person, but for all the people listening that aren't naturally good at sales, Go find someone that believes in you that will show up on your behalf and kick down doors and convince people to work with you because there are people out there that will do that. And, you know. I, I love it. And I, I'm going to – because because I, I love to talk about, like, sales compensation, mm. right, and incentive compensation. And I think that sales, like, I would put – for every hire, we were literally having a coaching call for our mastermind group – um, this week, and we were talking about um, comp like compensation uh, for for uh, business development, mm -hmm. and it's I, I would take a business development person as a hire all day over anybody that's operational because it's going to drive direct revenue to yes. the company. It's and an asset, a, not is, an expense. It's it's an asset, and we we should be able to reap the like the ROI from that investment mm -hmm. immediately, like very quickly within six months. We should be able to reap that um, the uh, you know, the ROI from it, but we were talking about incentive compensation. And what's really exciting, like when you hire a salesperson is that you can, you should absolutely incentivize them with, without a cap to go, you know, you know, have incredible, they can create their own opportunity and have unlimited, like, like an amazing commission plan. Or I'd love to talk for you to talk a little bit about incentive compensation, because it's actually not going to cost you like your, the base salary. It's, it's actually one of the positions that you get to, get more mm -hmm. uh, without pulling out your wallet you know, sure. by putting in a, you know, a base plus commission. So yeah. I'd love for our audience to hear a little bit about that. This is one of the conversations we always have because people have that fear of spending more money every month and bringing on all these people. But when you hold them very accountable to a goal for sales and you pay them on a draw against commission, then it's very low risk. You'll know right away if they're doing their job or not. They're either going to have activity in the CRM every day. They're either going to be putting in leads and making calls and doing conversions, or they're going to be sitting on their butts. So if they're sitting around not doing anything, you get rid of them, right? You refine somebody else. But when you get really strong salespeople and you hold them to certain goals, 
you know that money's coming then. I mean, it, it really is very, very low risk. All you have to do is make sure your margins are healthy enough to account for paying out whatever that commission rate is. And um, you can even back into that, right? So if you if your margins aren't healthy enough and you know you need to now pay 15% off the top on this person, we'll figure out how to increase the value so you have a winning proposition that makes sense where everybody can can win, including your salesperson. I think it's so exciting. I love this conversation. So Angela, how can we support you and Moxie and like what's next and how can we work with you? So I'm taking our process that we've done for the last five or six years with companies and I'm putting it into a series of courses. Um, this concept of going from business to brand. So a business is what? You can be in the jewelry business. You can be in the event business. A brand is obviously something so much bigger than that. And it's more about um, everything that people see and feel and touch and the people behind it. So I take them through a process of finding their brand, their purpose, their connection to their higher purpose. Um, but then also now we've we've done this thing, we've built this brand and now let's go find the people and let's build an incredible marketing and business development team and really scale and get to the next level. A lot of what it we talk about in the course is moxie, the word moxie. Um, we give them what, what I call a shot of moxie in every lesson. Um, but we also talk about perfectionism and how it can be the biggest killer of entrepreneurism, in my opinion, um, as a recovering perfectionist myself, kind of self-diagnosed, like that was leading to, it was manifesting in a lot of unhealthy ways, including procrastination or including telling myself stories that just like we hear some of our clients say, I can't do this because of that. I can't do this because of that. And a lot of times they're just holding on to what they think they, they, they're almost becoming a little bit narcissistic in a way yes. because they're they're trying to convince themselves that no one could do it like you yeah sure you are special you are very special but other people are special too and you can teach the certain parts of the process and let them go out empower them and give them certain parts of the business parts of the process and scale and so that's a big part of it is like letting go of control and putting people in positions where they can thrive and, and go and do things for you oh my god i love it i, I think your expertise here is is so wonderful. I feel like I made a really good friend today. And just thank you so much for yeah. your vulnerability and sharing all of the, um, you know, the Moxie uh, from your father. I think it's it's so special. And I'm excited to work with Moxie brands in, in so many ways. And so I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and learned so much. I know I certainly did. If you did, definitely leave us a review down below. This is how we grow the podcast you know, tell us what your favorite takeaways were on Instagram. Screenshot this episode, share it, tag us, and uh, we'll be sharing right back. And uh, thank you so much for being here today. And I hope you enjoyed today's CEO school lesson. I sure, I certainly, certainly did, Angela. And we'll see you next week at CEO school. Hey, everyone. It's Sanira here. CEO school is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Billion Dollar Moves, hosted by Sarah Chen Spellings. Join venture capitalist and strategist Sarah Chen Spellings as she asks the hard questions and learns through the triumphs, failures, and hard lessons of the creme de la creme so you too can make billion-dollar moves in venture, in business, and life. I recently enjoyed listening to Sarah share a discussion on the ethics of AI, finding inspiration, and executing that founder's vision while finding purpose along the way, even post-exit with the global pioneer of emotional AI, Rana L. Kalubi. 
Listen to Billion Dollar Moves wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.